0: When my father and I interacted, whether he was coming down off his heroin or not, I would come home and just hug on my dad and love on him. And I would just tell him, look, you're going to have to deal with it. I love you. And that's, that's just it. I wanted my father to know that I loved him. When he passed away, I really became grateful he and I were able to, to get to that place because I saw my younger brother, who was 16, when my father passed. And my brother actually found my father in the house, dead. You know, he was the first one to find my father. OD'd in the in the in the bathroom and my brother was in those stages that I was at sixteen. I'm gonna make that change. I'm going he's gonna know how angry and how disappointed I was. And my brother carried a different response when my father passed away. And I learned instantly in that moment what it is for us when we're able to forgive and let go. Cause life is precious and when we're gone, there's no take backs, right? We don't get to do things over. I realized I didn't carry the same guilt and shame and hurt and regret that my brother did. Because my father and I had mended and he knew I forgived him. I knew he loved me. He knew I loved him. My brother was like, man, he was torn up. And so I learned so quick how blessed we are to be able to forgive because it's not just about forgiving that other person. It's about us letting go of that
1: weight. Mm -hmm.
0: Welcome back guys
2: to episode number 71 of Connection is Magic. This week we have an amazing episode. It's Easily one of my favorite episodes yet. I'm joined by my good friend Selma. She's a guest co-host this episode. Go check out her stuff on Spotify, Apple, all the stream platforms. It's called Safe Space. Incredible artist. Also joined by my friend David Hernandez. Amazing podcast called The Push Project. Go check that out. Also available on all stream platforms. This episode we get into what got us all on the path to growing and developing spiritually. What it was like growing up with active addiction in the household. Being in the awkward middle of outgrowing an older version of ourselves, but the cement not drying on that new version of ourselves and navigating that awkwardness in the middle. Also the ups and downs of working in the music industry per usual. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. Here we go. Welcome everybody to Connection is Magic. I'm your host Samson Shulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach. In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtain, we end up feeling lonely and isolated and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to Connection. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 71 of Connection is Magic. What's up, Zalma? Thank you for showing up as a guest co-host here.
1: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
2: And we have my man, David Hernandez, who is also a fellow podcaster in the building today. The Push Project. Go check that out on all the streaming platforms. Thank you. Amazing podcast.
0: Trying to help people heal.
2: That's right.
0: What got you into first doing work on yourself inner exploration just jumping right in it started with surviving trauma as a kid my mind always going about somebody come help me or me knowing that I could identify with other hurting kids and that just stayed with me my whole life like always wanting to help people knowing that I could identify with other people that were hurting as I grew up of course we keep meeting people that are going through similar challenges and that just gave me more opportunities to kind of Connect with other people, you know, help other people grow, learn about myself, constantly learning about myself and doing that personal inventory of how I can be better. And if there's ways that I can communicate, connect with other people better than I have been, then I'm going to continue to look for those kind of things. Life, essentially, you know, is what thrusted me into this this field of wanting to help heal people, you know, wanting to help encourage and inspire people to push through challenges in their life.
2: And that's why you called your podcast that, right? I noticed you dropped it. Push (laughs) project.
0: That's right. We always feel like the way out is through. Isn't it crazy, though, how scared we get sometimes to just go straight through the thing? It hurts. That's probably why it hurts. You know, we don't. We don't want to hurt anymore as a yeah. survival mechanism. Yeah. You can't ignore yeah. every step of the way. It's just an irritant. It's like, man, what is this? I can't I can't keep going this way, you know? So we stop and we try exactly. to... Exactly. Right.
2: Something you and I have in common is we didn't have the, the cookie cutter father thing.
0: My father was a drug addict and an alcoholic. My mom and my dad got together at a very young age in high school, pregnant with me. My mom was 18. My father was 19. So we're just babies having a child and they're still trying to figure out their life with their dysfunction. My father comes from a line of addicts on his side of the family, alcohol and drugs. And then my mother on her side, there was drug and and gambling addiction. So, you know, you have these two young people with their baggage coming together and it's just, you know, a stew, essentially a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment moments where you don't feel Mm. safe. Police are coming to the house looking for your dad, you know, stuff like that. And then my father, was, my father was physically abusive to me um, all the way up until my, my 12th grade year in high school. You know, And so I endured a lot of that. He passed away when I was 24 of an overdose to heroin. And when that day happened, it wasn't a surprise. I think we kind of were expecting him to die because of his addiction. But it was just a shock that that day had finally arrived. Mm-hmm. I was grown. I was a young adult. I was just finished in college, a couple of years out. and. Um, I got the call, my mom, you know, was bawling and she was like, Hey Pop's he's gone and so, you know, that, that began another chapter. But essentially that's kind of what all of that reflection of what our childhood was pushing and, and, and fighting through all of these challenges as a kid, trying to figure out who we are in this world just kind of culminates. It, it it shaped who I who I am, you know, and we connected on that as well with the addiction portion and, and there was there was, you know, use. Um you know, and and then you lost your father as well, man, and so it's a it's a it's a it's a club that, you know, I wouldn't wish on anybody, but once we're a part of it, it's like, man, it never leaves you, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah thank
1: you, David. Before he passed, like were you kind of already in this self exploration as Samson put it before, or did his passing kind of help thrust you into this work?
0: I mean, I was already exploring and learning and growing. And, and, you know, honestly, faith for me was huge. I'm from San Diego originally, and I went to UCLA. Only the second person in my family to ever go to college, Uh right? So it was huge. I felt a lot of responsibility to to, to finish. And so as I was away from home and I'm growing up and, and I'm getting closer to graduating, yeah, I was absolutely growing. I was looking at myself, and I was reflecting back on the way that even I had been interacting with my father because children in families of addiction you know the parent like the kid gets so fixed on forcing that uh, addicted parent to change I was that kid I was the oldest of three I'm getting the senior year and I just knew I could make my dad change but at 16 I think was kind of when the pop happened where I told my dad I hate you and I wish you were dead because that was the best way I could try to hurt my dad's feelings for what he had caused me and my mom and you know my siblings I had already started once I moved away to to forgive my father and to realize that the way that i had been approaching that was not the right way if my father was going to be sober and change his life i wanted my dad to do it because he knew his kids mm. loved him and, he, and they weren't like just judging him and so by 21 i completely shifted the way that i even spoke to my father because i realized for me i, could, I didn't want to carry that anger and that that rage and that exactly. hurt any longer right. By 21, 22, 23, when my father and I interacted, whether he was coming down off his heroin or not, I would come home and just hug on my dad and love on him. And, you know what I mean? And I would just tell him, look, you're gonna have to deal with it. I love you. And that's, that's just it. I wanted my father to know that I loved him.
2: That's incredible um, that you got that at that age, David. You know what I'm saying? It feels like you should be twice that age by the time you get that level of wisdom, you know what I mean? <laughs> like,
0: wow. And when he passed away too, I really became Grateful, he and I were able to, to get to that place because I saw my younger brother who was 16 when my father passed, and my brother actually found my father in the house dead. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the first one to find my father, OD'd in the in the in the bathroom. And my father was in my brother was in those stages that I was at 16. I'm going to make dad change. I'm going. He's going to know how angry and how disappointed I was. And my brother carried a different response when my father passed away. And I learned instantly in that moment what it is for us when we're able to forgive and let go. Because life is precious, and when we're gone, there's no take-backs, right? We don't get to do things over. I realized I didn't carry the same guilt and shame and hurt and regret that my brother did because my father and I had mended, and he knew I forgived him. I knew he loved me. He knew I loved him. My brother was like, man, he was torn up. And so I learned so quick, man, what it is and and how blessed we are to be able to forgive. Because it's not just about forgiving that other person. It's about us letting go of that weight, Mm -hmm. you know? You know, I I started to go there, like dive in deep, man. No, this is what
1: we do. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, you're in the right place.
0: It's hard for people to talk about these things sometimes.
2: But yet there's like, I feel like a thirst for it
1: right now. That's so beautiful that that's what you took away to come back and think, Okay, I'm going to love on this person harder. Given the circumstances, it seems so black and white. You know, you're, you're a kid, mm. you know, and here you are yeah. trying to present as the parent. On one hand, you have your own needs as a child. It seems like pretty black and white from the outside. And yet, you still had all this love in your heart. The fact that you found your way back to that at such a young age, like Samson said, that's incredible. And I feel like that's the un- unconditional love that we all hear about, but don't know how to practice. And the fact that you found your way into that is really, really incredible.
0: I received that, and it has changed even the way that I began to interact, been working with broken families, foster youth, probation youth, and their parents, their caregivers, for 21 years now. And time and time again, I have an an opportunity, yet another opportunity, to help another young person who I still see a, a, a piece of me in. Any of us that have survived that trauma of any kind, you know, you can connect with others that are going through it now or that have gone through it. You just know, you know, like we've lost a father. Mm -hmm. We know, like, we don't even have to say a word. It's just like- So it's
2: like finding that English speaking person in a foreign country, man, when you're able to meet with somebody, some of this stuff, and it's like, oh man, I've been wanting to connect at that level. I want to ask, you're a father now. Right when your child arrived into the world, How present on your mental was, man, I get to do this right. right? Yeah.
0: I'm so in love with that little girl (laughs) I had my first child at 42 years old so I have lived and I've already been through so many things and acquired so much wisdom that I had been thinking about it for a long time already the lessons that I want to teach my child the fears the baggage of my own that I don't want to pass on to my daughter like I want to be the end of that drama and the pain and the trauma all of that that happened for me I don't want to pass that on like I have the I can be the gatekeeper of that you know what I'm saying and at the same time trying to be mindful of not passing on fears that we have. Or even, listen, we're human, right? At the point that we are in our life, there are things we look back and we're like, man, I wish I could have done that. I wish I would have done better. And we can carry those things on with us. And that could influence whether or not we believe whether or not it's possible, Mm -hmm. right? I don't even want to pass that doubt on to my daughter. That kind of stuff is I'm mindful of is, I want her to believe that she can do whatever she wants. So then that makes me more mindful of even... You know, the stuff that I've been telling myself, oh, you can't do this. Man, I was telling myself I couldn't do this Wait, podcast <laughs> forever. And, I, and I've been on the air in L.A. in radio for 22 years, telling myself silently, nah, that, you know, you can't do that. And I've actually interviewed tons of people over the years. But still, some voice in my mind would tell me they don't want to hear what you have to mm-hmm. say. They don't care about your, your conversation. Your questions aren't good enough. You know, people aren't going to want to sit down and have dialogue with you and all these things. So even then, I decided I'm not going to pass that on to my daughter, you know. And so if sometimes that just means I got to keep my mouth shut, then that's what I got to do and let her, you know, explore and do her thing and figure out certain things that she loves to do. But prior to my father's passing, I definitely started the exploration and growing and my approach to the world had shifted. When he passed away, I took on a new pride that I never had, which was I'm actually proud to carry on my father's legacy. I wanted people to see my father in me, whatever bits and pieces he deposited within my life. I wanted people to see that.
1: Thinking about just what it means to be human, what it means to be here. We're all here, get to earth with amnesia, don't know where we came from. Don't remember anything before it. Don't know where we go when we sleep. You know, we have all these esoteric questions, and that by by virtue of that, that should connect us automatically. Not the English speaking yeah. thing when we're in France. Like truly, it's like, oh, you're a human. You're still here in yeah. Like let's yeah, let's real. compare notes. That's, like, that's how I feel. Yeah. I feel like I, that's that's I go like real. a level deeper with that. And I'm just like, oh, it, like there are a lot of people that didn't make it to this day, but here we all are. And then you just almost want to like hold on to these people if you're using that lens and. I just love so much that despite so much trauma, it's enough reason to want to shut down. If you wanted to look at it that way, like nobody could fault you for that. And the fact that I feel like it just kind of busted you wide open over and over again, Mm. everything that you've said and everything that you've shared has been, but my heart's open. That's what I keep hearing you say in so many words. It's Mm. just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And just wanted to say, I connect deeply with the, you know, wanting to talk to everybody and wanting to feel connected to everyone because we're all here.
0: When I first met Samson, I, I, I heard him um, interview another friend of mine on his podcast, and I remember listening to him, and just the vulnerability and that honesty and the, the compassion in his voice. I'm like, that guy right there, I know he and I would have amazing conversation because we're not, there's no like walls up. We're not worried about how we look, you know what I'm saying? And people judging us, we're well past that. It's more like, how can we bless one another? How can we grow from one another's company? What wisdom can we pass on to one another and be better people, right? I can't waste time having superficial conversations or interactions with people at this point in my, in my life. It's like, this is what I want to do all the time. I want to connect. And I know I keep using that word. I'm not trying to be, you know, connection to, magic. This is 100%, you know, my focus in life has been, and just the fact that we're able to sit here, chop it up. We have three different people conversating right now from three different Mm. walks of life, totally different life experiences, but still are able to find the common Mm. pieces there that connect us. Be able
2: able to to free ourselves, free ourselves, and and free others.
0: Doesn't that feel healing also? Our ability to help other people, doesn't that feel therapeutic for Mm, us as well? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. It feels so good. Absolutely, here. it really does. Yeah,
1: and me bringing a little mischief in it—it it just, I'm like, I like a cheat sheet. Don't we all like a cheat sheet? <laughs> 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 just be honest. <laughs> I'm like, let me, let me Come know on. your mistakes and the things that you're learning and what you're going through and what you figured out, so I have oh, some man. answers to the test. We're always gonna recycle lessons. All of us can talk yes. about what it means yep. to surrender, what it means to be open and vulnerable, and we're all gonna have different stories amen and it's amen. like what you're yeah. saying right now david or samson like when we talk and you share things about what you're going through I, i'm like cool <laughs> keeping notes yeah. putting in my back pocket for later you learn so oh, much from it. that it's amazing a
0: student of life man. yeah well said
1: i mean there are lots of streams of consciousness and i feel like it kind of happens as a channel but i think the one that we use a lot is the idea of mega mind and it's just my thing is like mega mind god the universe, it's just this entity that's trying to kill as many birds with one stone at all times. There's two people in a conflict, for example, Mega Mind's trying to teach you a lesson at the same time, trying to teach that person a lesson. And it erupts in this way that looks like really inconvenient. But at the end of the day, like you both, the both parties like need each other for their individual lessons. Mm -hmm. And like using that as a lens kind of helps you not personalize it and feel like, oh, what's going Mm -hmm. on? Like this is, Terrible! How am I going to get out of this? It starts to look like more like a puzzle. Like, hmm, like, like me and Samson always joke. Like, what is Mega up to? Like, what, what's the lesson that <laughs> Mega Mind's trying to feed me? Like, I'm not going to get roped into this, you know, fight or whatever it is that's going on with this other person. Like, clearly, there's a lesson here for me.
0: What is the lesson in all this, right? Like, what are you up to? What am I supposed to be learning yes. from this, right? Yes. For real. Because
1: yeah. anything that it feels challenging, and even when I feel like when you're growing into the next version of yourself, there's this weird pocket of time where you're not the new version and you're not the old version and you're just kind of mm-hmm. somewhere in between. And it's really uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm in that space right now, personally. And every day I feel like, you know, using this kind of in-between lens that I have, I have to make micro decisions to choose into that new new being of myself and I have never been her before, so I I still have a lot of questions as I'm choosing into what I think is an upgraded version of myself. It's just very confusing, and I I heard something once, this amazing practitioner I was working with, she shared with me the idea of expansion and contraction, and I I like that, the idea of always choosing expansion. If you're choosing expansion, you know what that feels like in your body, you know what contraction feels like in your body, and so when you're in these in-between or, if you want to be petty LaBelle <laughs> and send that salty ass message, like choosing expansion <laughs> in that moment, you know what that feels like. And using that as your North Star when you're in these in between transitions on your way to mm. the better version of yourself. That's really helped me mm. similar to transitioning into your newer version, better version of yourself. You have these mm. baby wings that emerge and they're not quite strong enough to carry you, but you still have to practice using them talking about this idea of like carving a spectrum. So as an example, if you're somebody who needs to be more assertive because maybe you're used to being somewhat of a doormat, you don't know what that balance looks like at all. So when you right. first try practicing baby wings of you know being assertive, you might be a total jerk. like maybe you're totally overshooting yeah. and people are like, whoa, what's going on with oh. you?" And that kind of carves that end of the spectrum. you're like, okay maybe okay, here's me being a jerk. Here's me not standing up for myself, like let me find the middle. And I think w- trying out uh, how to be assertive in this case is trying out your baby wings because you truly have no idea what you're doing because yes. you've never been that person before. So we always, we'll, we'll talk about using our baby wings when we're like maybe messing some stuff up, but trying something new. Mm. And in, in time, yeah. you know, those little wings yeah. grow into That's, big wings.
2: Thank you, for, thank you for sharing that all the way. And I want to <laughs> say for everybody here on this episode right now, We've all been seekers, I feel like, and we've we've done all this work and stuff on ourselves. So that baby wings moment happens. We must have had that moment like, what, 15 times, maybe more. It's not like you're one and done with that moment. It happens kind of often if you're on this mm-hmm. path. So I can understand why people would rather distract themselves maybe than go through that transformation because it's so painful.
0: Another thing I'd like to point out, too, is all that I honor the bravery in you to just be in that unfamiliar, uncomfortable area of growth where you don't know exactly how to do it yet, but you're willing to, to go through it and grow. And I want to believe we do it because our hope that the reward or whatever comes on the other side of that is worth it, mm-hmm. right? But it's still scary to do it. And, and a lot of us will stop to some point, you know, we'll stop somewhere along the way and we won't see it through. You know, we won't see the baby wings grow. To teenager wings, or, you know, <laughs> adolescent wings, and then they don't stay in the fight long enough. Uh, I, you said baby wings too, and I immediately even thought about my three-year-old's hands, right? The size of her hands, and she wants to hold her water bottle, and her and her spoon, and her teddy bear. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? But she can't get it all because her hands are small. But she doesn't see it like this. She's just not aware of what limitations are there. She just knows she wants all these things. Whereas, you know, my hands can grab all that stuff and go because we've just lived through it. We've grown through wh- whatever life brought us. Now we're in a place where we can do these things. When, you know, seeing this three-year-old is a reminder of those times where we were much more vulnerable. And the world was, was new and scary. And, you know, so many things were about safety and pushing through our own doubts and, and frustrations. Of, you're like, you're in that transitional phase right now in some areas of your life. And it can be scary. One, I Want to encourage you to keep on pushing, because that growth and the lessons learned, and you know who you are afterwards, is gonna make you so happy that you did it.
1: I'm like, I was like closing my eyes, like taking in what you're saying, because mm-hmm. I'm somebody that processes things maybe too quickly. I'm looking out into the future of my life, and I'm it's blank, and it's not blank because I don't have any hope. It's well, I mean. The way things went down it had looked nothing like i thought and i'm i'm just old enough and somewhat wiser enough to know that i just don't know that goes back, to, back
2: to mine mm-hmm. right like yeah it,
1: it definitely does but but i but saying that to break bread but also wondering if you've ever been that in that space um david or samson where you felt when you looked out into your future it truly was uncertain and not because of yeah. one particular aspect like All of it you're just like wow i have no idea what's going to happen in any direction in any aspect of my life
2: near near death bankruptcy leaving a 12-year career like i at once you know i was was there so you just throw your hands up and you're like i'll surrender and the cool thing i heard is you know transformation begins with surrender we either change by design or we change by disaster
1: Oh, oh mm-hmm. Samson, what was that one that used to always tell me? Sorry. Let go or get dragged. Yeah,
0: we tend to do that, hang on, get kicked around. Yeah. Holding on to the things that were safe for us at one point, the things that are yeah. familiar, even if it's dragging us, it's not healthy for yeah. us at all, well, right? Been there, done that.
2: We're all on our own journey. We all grow at our own pace, obviously. And there's no shame or judgment mm-hmm. in that. I, I, had, I was upside down for as long as I needed to be upside down in certain areas. I'm upside down in other areas that I'm still growing and figuring out. But in the areas that I grew and figured out, let's just say, there's somebody who
0: hasn't figured out
2: those areas, right? It's having grace and having appreciation that they haven't figured out those
0: areas yet. You feel me? Samson, turn this back on you real quick. Don't you feel a level of excitement or like a deep motivation to help others because you've gone through things. I mean, that's the impression I get from you is that your lessons, the lessons that you've learned, the journey that you're on right now and that healing that you've done up to this point, there's something about it that makes you want to share that with people. I mean, connection is
2: magic. The the root of the podcast, right. yes, is based in that, yes. It's a macro idea. And yes, yes, like if you're tuning in from like Canada, if you're tuning in from wherever, like wherever. but it's macro. But then the day to day, the being at the cashier at the store, you know, in Santa Monica and like encountering somebody that's like a total jerk or whatever it is, you know, yeah. just having more yeah. grace at the micro level.
0: The young woman that you had on as your guest, Felicia Latour, which is how I discovered yeah. your podcast. Just at a random dinner, yeah. Okay, so, and you just were talking to people and you met people because this is who you are. This is what you do. My impression of you is that you're looking for opportunities to connect with people on a micro yeah, yeah, level, actually, cool. yeah. right? But she wasn't being a jerk that night. We had an amazing conversation.
2: So it's like not apples for apples right there, but yeah.
0: But the person that you Mm -hmm. are is driving who you engage with. Everything that I've lived up to this point, it excites me about the opportunity to help somebody else. I'm looking forward to the people who are afraid to do the inner work because I want to show them it's possible for them. I'll go first. I'll lower my guards first. I'll be vulnerable first to show you, number one, humans can do it. Men can do it. Men who look like me, right? With this skin color, we can do it, right? People who have been through what I've been through, we do it. We talk. We're vulnerable. And now I'm looking for opportunities to help somebody, you know, cross that bridge of self-exploration and inner work and things like that.
1: Since I... I'm a fixer if I can sense that someone's having a bad day like it's in my instinct and in my nature to try to heal and help them but that's not my work all the time sometimes my work is to be able to trust myself and my journey to keep my energy where it's at and allow them to figure it out because maybe I'm taking away a lesson and that's not the right thing to do but say it's somebody you're actually having to interact with um For me, what I've been trying to practice doing is trying to find my mirror in that person. So I believe that if you are observing an aspect about somebody that you don't like, that aspect that you don't like also lives within you. Otherwise, you would not be able to to view it. It wouldn't even be within your frequency. Like your radio transmitter wouldn't be able to receive that signal in the first place if it wasn't the same signal that you're also giving off in your life in some way. So I feel like that's the first step for me because it helps ground me Into like thinking, okay, you have this within you too. Like, go see yourself in this person. Like, you're not that evolved. Salma, Nice try.
2: I hope you're enjoying this episode, guys. Please head over to Connectionismagic.com to go check out the latest merch drop. We got super cozy hoodies in time just for winter. We've got some amazing socks, super cool holographic stickers that you can put on your laptop or your hydro flask or anywhere else. Working super hard on this podcast for you guys and all of the purchases really go towards funding and supporting this podcast. So if you're getting value from the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate you guys doing that and supporting it. Connectionismagic.com and Click on shop to go check that out. Also, you could sign up for coaching support, which I just started offering limited number of clients. Please go to the Connections Magic website. Click on coaching if you're a creative that needs coaching support and book a 15 minute complimentary call to discuss where you're at, what your needs are and what you'd like to break through on. Let's get back to the episode. David,
1: I feel like you're so full of like unconditional love and and Mm. a real understanding of surrendering. I like... I want to be more Not lucky. by choice
0: sometimes, though. You know, Samson, that quote you mentioned earlier about we can learn Anything by... By what was design it? Lesson or disaster. Quote? Yes, so disaster. Yeah. Let's put a, let's put an emphasis on the disaster part. You know what I mean? There are lessons that I learned I wasn't trying to learn. I wasn't trying to be divorced. I wasn't trying to be left by a wife. I don't know if I shared this before, but, you know, I used to be a foster parent, a teenage young man who I used to work with as a counselor. And I worked with him for three and a half years. Fell in love with him and his family. I decided to open up my home to him. And he just didn't know how to receive even the love that I was given. Because he had grown up in the system. Time and time again being disappointed and hurt by others. To the point where he didn't even know what love really, really looked like. Or or, or felt like. Or sounded like. So when I was giving it to him, he didn't know how to receive it. So he fought it. He fought it. To the point where he had to leave my home. After a year and a half. For so many reasons. Two and a half years after that. He was shot and killed in a drive-by shooting and that happened around the time the same year that happened 2011 and i was still healing from a wife who left me and then some some things changed in my career i had a really good position here at a radio station i was music director and loved it and absolutely i was doing that for nine and a half years and that changed and that that went away right and so my foundation literally was destroyed right the disaster piece without any say so from from my part, I didn't want any of that. But boy, you know, did that teach me some stuff about who I was, how I was gonna navigate through the world. That taught me a lot. It's like a catalyst to like, pushes us forward to just learn what we're supposed to be learning from all of this, like what in the world am I, are you trying to teach me right now? What am I supposed to be getting from this? Not just why am I going through this, but all right, you got my attention. What am I supposed to be learning? Mm in this moment in this space and then making that decision of i gotta be better somehow after this i gotta learn something that's gonna help me be better after this
2: it purifies you in the fire bro purify in the fire yeah. you get to hopefully hold space for others who may be in a similar place man then that becomes that becomes a gift mm-hmm. because it's like we didn't give up we've all been in some dark ass places and we didn't give up and i'm like Man, mm. maybe somebody going through somebody going that. through the darkest chapter, man. Maybe they're about to give up, and it's like, man, if you see that light yeah. in that one person's life, it makes it all worth mm. it.
0: Samson or Ozama, do you remember a time in your life where you were looking for that person that, like, man, I just need somebody to like come and let me lean on them a little bit, you know? Or that person that planted some seed in you that gave you hope that you still hold on to today maybe somebody said something to us and we're like man i i really am glad that they said that i asked that because i think it's really important that we have those and Mm -hmm. that as we get older that we are that for other people i mean samson when you talked about people who other people who are probably going through dark times right now i thought about that now that that's what we're trying to be, the three of us, it sounds like.
2: Well, honestly, man, my uncle who just passed. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. Appreciate that, yeah. I was out of control, lost my dad, no surprise. I was, like, hanging out with the wrong crowd. I got arrested at 14 years old. And, like, he just saw where Mm. my life was going, dude. And and he he opened up his home to me and uh, took me in. And who knows what he saved me from, right? That's the crazy thing. I just know I was not in the right frame of mind, right? So... Yeah, mm-hmm. thank God for him, man. You know, thank God, and he did it. And what's crazy is he did yeah. it twice. When I shared earlier about my whole life crashing, near death, loss of career, all these things, and stayed with him for about five months or so. It allowed me to reset and and figure out which way was up and down. And so, yeah, man. Oh. Shout out Uncle Joe. I know he's he's around somewhere, man. Shout out Uncle Joe. So.
1: I think mine would be my dad passed in 2017. So I'm part of the club with you guys. Yeah,
0: sorry to hear that. Thank you.
1: But a girlfriend of mine, both parents are past. She's a jeweler. She gave me a necklace with my dad's birthstone on it. And, man, she said, she gives me the necklace. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm crying and I'm thanking her. And she said, you know, your life is going to feel different from now on, but that's okay. Wow. And... I didn't like, I was still in the thick of it, so I didn't really know what that meant. I was kind of mm-hmm. still in that phase where, at least for me, it felt like it wasn't real, you know? Like, yeah. all we, you know, we done the funeral and the memorial service and all these things, but even still, I was like, what just happened, you know? When she said that, I, I knew something special had just been said to me. I just didn't understand, like, what that fully meant. And I found throughout yeah. my grieving process, even to this day, is five year um, anniversary since his passing just was on Sunday and was super emotional this go for for whatever reason's why we all know grief is not linear and i still find myself thinking of that that sentence mm. that it's so true it's like i i definitely yeah. changed there's there was, it was such a little thing that she said that yeah. encapsulated but such a huge. big feeling you guys feel what she's it's talking whole, about in that yeah. right
0: Absolutely. I mean, I got emotional even hearing you say it, thinking about my father, because good Lord, was it 21, 22 years or so since he passed? It still rings true that life has never been the same. I think about him all the time. You're always going to think about, if Samson probably knows this too, there's just so many huge life events where you would like, I'd love for my father to share this. And the, the fact is that he won't, be here in the flesh to, to, to see these things in our lives. But it just absolutely rings true for me as well.
2: So one interesting thing that I know about the both of you that you guys share in common. David was in radio. You were wanting mm-hmm. to have like deeper conversations. And then the relatability for Zelma is she's a music artist, an amazing music artist, singer, producer, all that. And She is unique. She's doing cool, cool shit. Forgive my language. And so she's had experiences in the past where people have tried to put her in a lane that wasn't truly her most authentic self. So I wanted you guys to dialogue. To me, those experiences are semi-relatable.
0: There is is, uh, the pressure to entertain in radio. Oh, it's not always the popular move to make people think and get too deep. In in radio, they say music is the star. Well, they say that, but it's a type of music that maybe people, I don't know if everybody or not wants to listen to something that is always going to make them sad or always going to try to make them deep in thought. They want to entertain them and just get them through their morning or afternoon traffic. And then, you know, throughout the years, we would have people come in and talk and dialogue and have conversations. I was over the the typical artist interviews where all you talk about is what's your recording process so tell us about the new music or you got any tours coming up or do you like to write the song first without the music or do you need the music first to write the lyrics you like the same generic questions just coming and coming but I'm like wait what about this human being right here like let's let's learn more about this human being what did you draw from what inspired the music what did you overcome in your life what made you who you are was there a time where you felt like your music wasn't enough? Was it going to make it? And how did you push through all that? They just weren't asking those kind of questions, you know, and I realized that in that I needed to create a space where I could ask those questions of people. That's one of the driving forces that fueled me finally just saying, look, man, I got to I got to create some space for me and do this, you know, the way that I would like it to be done, the way that. Facilitates these kind of conversations, and I know people are having these conversations because off of radio, I'm counseling people. We're talking about tough things in life. I'm inspiring. I'm helping people discover what makes them great, or you know, just to hope in life again and mending family relationships or just relationships in general. Helping people trust again, and those kind of conversations were not being had on radio. And I'm like, why not? You know, there's so many people need these other conversations. Somebody's got to create that space for these di- this dialogue to happen more often, you know? And so I would imagine in the songwriting process too, what you choose to say, matter of fact, my first wife was a recording artist. I got to see behind the scenes all the time, creators, that's one thing they're not ever going to stop is creating. You can write lyrics that are just on the superficial level or you can write lyrics that actually... You know, sink into somebody's soul a little bit differently, right? And leave them different and better maybe than when before they heard your song. So, I mean, I don't want to put words into your mouth a but I would imagine that, y- you know, you coming from that creative space, to, you have that drive in you that you just, like, if you get inspiration to write something down or create or st- you've started something and it's like it's burning within you to finish the piece because that's just, your, you know, that's like who you are that... I don't know. You tell me, because I don't want to assume.
1: I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, there's so many layers. Like, okay, on one hand, back to the whole mega mind thing, I can see mm-hmm. that I attracted the situations that I needed. I attracted these places where I was misunderstood, and that I wasn't being seen or heard or you know tricked. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's the quintessential artist story, and that might also have to do with, like, why I absorbed that, just because that's what you hear about. Even before I took it on professionally, you know, all those VH1 behind the scenes stories that when I was even 10 years old. So I've been inheriting this artist narrative. This artist struggle is going to get screwed over narrative for the longest. So. Mm-hmm. could be a bit of that and it could be a bit of just my own personal wound. I have an abandonment wound. I have a fear of abandonment for sure. I have a fear of the, the other shoe dropping at some point. That's been a story throughout my life. Things seem safe mm-hmm. and then suddenly they're not. So that's my disclaimer before you get into this yeah. all the way. Like I, I, I see how you. I created this first and foremost. Back to the idea of connection. I believe connection belongs everywhere. And the issue that I've seen in the music industry, at least for, with my journey, is I'm a very unconventional person and, I, and I'm not the first and I know I won't be the last. But for some reason, there's this weird thing that happens when you do business where mm-hmm. we all take on that. It's just business mentality. And I don't agree with mm-hmm. that because I still think connection belongs in business. I believe that business is very spiritual. Mm-hmm. You have emotional, vibrational beings conducting mm-hmm this weird thing called business as they've coined the word. And yet for some reason, emotions aren't allowed in business. It just doesn't make sense based off of what has happened to you in the past and how you received those experiences and the trauma you received from it. You're going to curtail your contract to say or not say certain things. So it it never made sense to me that I couldn't show up as emotionally um, as I always was and am still the people that were seeking me out, the behind the scenes people, like what they were seeking me out for was the essence of all of us. It's my emotions and it's the way that I'm being introspective and in how I'm making this music. And yet it felt like that was the thing they wanted to extract away from me so that we could do business. So, mm-hmm. and there's this thing that I, I really do feel like artists are totally glorified, but not supported In the mental health space i think that conversation has just scratched the surface now but for as long as i've been in this um which feels like a long time it it was Mm -hmm. never that way it was like cool 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 do which keep doing that thing that you're doing but also can you hurry up you know or can you not Mm -hmm. do it in that way it's like okay leave to pick because how i am is is what is allowing this music to to be what it is my issue and the reason why I left music for two years was because I felt like I wasn't allowed to be who I really was. I just couldn't see really myself and anybody else that was doing what I wanted to be doing because I believed that they were giving up a part of themselves that I thought I wasn't willing to give up. Mm -hmm. And it's not to put anybody on blast because essentially I'm just saying everyone I know is giving up a part of themselves. I don't feel like that's fully true, but at the time, that's how it appeared to me, because I was in these situations that I felt like I had to abandon self in to survive. And we all know that that's a trap.
2: Because of these past experiences you've had, there could be a little bit of putting the foot on the brake and the gas, which is natural. I think a lot of people can relate to that after they've had you know situations disappoint them or not turn out how they thought they were going to turn out, etc., Can you speak to Mm -hmm. just being a bit guarded, I guess, which is totally understandable. There's, you know, no judgment. I'm just, I'm bringing this up because I think it's relatable to many.
1: So I fit there's two versions of the break in the gas pedal thing happening for me personally. On one hand, it's the, it's the in-between transition thing that we were talking about before where I'm like, okay, I've recovered a lot of this, like the, the trauma of the industry. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that. It's just being in the industry in general, like the disappointment and all of the labor and no payout After years, it it does wear on you. And I think that that is a little bit of a... And
2: David knows it well because you were married to an artist, right?
0: Her album, she completed her album. She submitted her album and they shelved it for four years. The album was done, submitted to the record label and they put it on the shelf for four years. She's getting depressed and I'm like, how could they do this? By the time that record came out, it may have been new to the world. It was so old to us. We've been sitting with that for at least five years, right? Wow. Anyway, it's just, you wanna talk about how traumatic it is. Yeah, I saw that firsthand for sure. You know, It's just the business side of it, it thwarts the creative, the artistic side, the artistic expression side so often, it's just ridiculous, you know? So yeah, I have a oh special set of frustrations with the industry as well.
2: I'm gonna tie this in with what Zama said earlier. I think that the new industry has its baby wings on right now. Would you agree? Like something is emerging
1: yes we don't know what yet i definitely feel that way but i also wonder if i'm seeing it because i started asking the universe to see a different side i was like okay Mm. if i'm going to be in this industry and i feel like as much as i say i like oh i quit for those two years that was the most amount of time that i've ever gone without like wanting even desiring to do music i truly didn't even feel like dealing with it i didn't feel like talking about Mm. it but i've had moments where i'm like i quit and like for a week or whatever and then i get back into it but so far the thing that common theme with all of the times that i've wanted to put music down is it, it's always followed me it's always an opportunity comes someone reaches out i find myself back in it so i i told the universe like look if if i'm supposed to do this which i think i am show me a different way because that other shit that was weird and i'm not doing that again i just refuse so i do feel like at least for me i think on my side, it's just because I asked and I feel like I am seeing a different side, more heart centered people, more people that are kind of like, you know, they go into the industry, do their little thing and yeah. they kind of hop out. And that yeah. that's kind of who I connect to more. But just real quick, David talking about, um, that, you know, that project that was never released for four mm-hmm. years. Like, I think my feeling on this is that we have heard this story so many times. It's in the way that you, we hear traumas of humanity and we kind of it dis, it, we disassociate and it's, it desensitizes yeah. us as to why it's such a big deal. And I just wanna break down for one second, like what it actually means to get, like turn in a project and then not have it be released for four years. Like that, it's not just like, in, cause it's like, oh, this is the project, It's it's yeah. this. But what went into that is hours of time, so much money, so much um, preparation, so much vulnerability, wrangling producers, wrangling yeah. people to get them on a you know the get them on word. the same schedule yeah. to even like record the. Pro- there is so much that goes into a, um, any project, but definitely a music yeah. project. That by the time you're turning that thing in, you are exhausted, and your only saving grace is that it's going to come out. And when it doesn't,
2: it's almost like running a freaking marathon. And, like, being told it's 26.2 miles and getting there being like, oh, you got another 48 miles to go. It just, just, just getting, like, all that energy and effort was nothing.
1: There are so many comparisons that have to be considered to truly understand and respect. Because, again, that story is so tired that I don't feel like people really feel feel the weight yeah. of what that means and why it could send somebody into a depression. Thank you
2: for articulating that for too, because there might be people listening who haven't spent time in music, right?
1: And coming back to where we started, for me, with the idea of connection in spaces that feel like you're not supposed to have yeah. connection and it's supposed to be more transactional. The music industry, we all know it's kind of just a crazy place and I don't want to perpetuate that even in language too much because i'm in it and i'm trying to mm-hmm. make it work mm-hmm. for me so can't say that for too long but what i've decided for myself i get to control my neck yeah. of the woods so when i think about having meetings now and when i think about bringing people on it's no longer do you like me it's do i like mm. you that's and beautiful. that's changed that's everything the optimal for me.
0: place to be
2: for wow. sure I used to literally go into business partnerships based on one thing. What have you done? What's on your resume? I don't care about what do you stand for? What are your values? Who are, what are you like as a human being? Like none of that factored in at all for me. And I ended up crashing and burning time and time again i wasn't asking myself the right questions
1: thank you for saying that samson you, see now i'm all fired <laughs> <You're a problem. laughs> look what you've done to me <laughs> because this is something that is, is relatively new mm. for me and i know i'm not alone in this and i'm sure you guys can chime in on everything i'm about to say i feel like that's been the blueprint mm. it's who do you know and even when people are I, I hear people around me pitching this way oh it's really dope why is it dope not actually because it's dope it's dope because so and so did it and they worked on so and so's other shit that you know because they're famous. And I've, that's never worked for me. So yeah. why would it work in, a, in another setting exactly. where I'm looking at management or a label? Exactly. If you had to get married to this person, because it's essentially what it is, would you want to share space with them so intimately in that way? And if the answer is mm, to a hell no, then that absolutely needs to be the decision that you make about that person, regardless of accolades we're not coached we're not therapized we're not looking deeply into you know where we've been to understand where we're going and understand where other people are coming from the argument that business is transactional this is exactly why business is absolutely yeah. not transactional because the relationship that you're talking about between the radio and the listeners sounds like a trained dynamic that the radio in this case like i feel like has trained the listeners to just expect that they're going to play what they're familiar with. That's why people go to the radio and listen to what they want to listen to um, station by station based off of what it's playing consistently. And anyone not in music that doesn't care about this aspect of the conversation can relate because you train everybody around you to treat you a certain yeah. type of way. And if you can't figure that out, like on a micro level, we it's impossible to try to figure it out in these giant systems that we've built. Rollout plans and releases feel like fast fashion. From what I've seen, it just feels like very seasonal, get it out, do this, and and that's, that just doesn't work for me. So I've had to accept that I'm the kind of artist that I really care about my relationships. My producer and I are yeah. like this, like we really help each other grow through the process. Like I'm so enjoying this process, this go around, because I don't feel the pressure that I have felt in the past. When I realized this healthy, beautiful relationship that I'm in with my friends, or like I said, my producer, I'm like, why would I then pivot and just have a weird-ass transactional relationship with the next person that's going to be close mm-hmm. to this orbit? It just doesn't make sense. So, like, I really want that deep connection so that when we're in a meeting together and we're trying to figure out how to release this music yeah. or whatever it is, that you feel like you have a sense of who I am and you're going to be pitching with the correct like idea of me. So I think it's a worthy fight in all of your spaces to find connection, to fight for connection and to try to disarm people for connection in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we're such empathic creatures. I know that there's a whole like empath and Um, highly sensitive person sort of like movement in the last five years. I think a lot of people are realizing these language that kind of explains their oddities of like how they experience other people around them. And I think that's really beautiful. But for me personally, I feel like everyone has that quality. In a society that I feel like encourages disconnection, we still have language that proves that the truth is, is that we're really connected in ways that we can't even describe. We have a word called vibe, yeah. right? So I got a good yeah. vibe right. from that person. Like sometimes just to be a jerk, I almost want to be like, well, what do you yeah. mean by that? What is this vibe you yeah. speak of? And then you see people glitch. Cause they're like, I don't know how to explain Define this. Vibe. Vibe. And it's like, yeah. well, cool. Yeah. What do you mean you had a mm-hmm. gut feeling? What, what, what can you point to it? Like what part of your stomach was feeling that gut? Like the fact that it's still showing up in Ooh. common language that all of us know. And we, we, we're somehow okay with that. Like we're the same culture that says business is business. And yet we'll say we have a gut feeling about something, bro. Like how, how does it, that doesn't go together. So the, the sooner we all get on the same page that we are vibrational, yes. emotional there beings. Was- and that we should take that in to everywhere we go because it's literally baked into us. I feel like we'll we'll have mm. a shot to dismantle all the bullshit that's going on everywhere in every system in every 100%. industry.
2: Yeah. There's so many things that are baked in to to our society and culture that yeah. the Thanksgiving tip like I um, don't I mean when I was in my teens and my 20s I was like yo Thanksgiving let's go and like I'm a little bit more aware now of like yeah. The history of what it really means. It's crazy when we start to like peel back the onion, right? And it's like, oh shit. Maybe it's like more convenient just to keep the onion unpeeled, <laughs> you know what I mean? People just keep it, no, I don't want to know. Once the wool is off, I'm sorry. There's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. That's just for me. I know too much. <laughs> like, I mean, I know <laughs> right. everybody on this episode right now, we all know too much, It's so it's impossible to go back.
1: But how do you guys deal with that? What's something that you know? That you know that you know, and society discourages you from having that knowingness.
2: We are wired for connection. Connection is not like yeah. we're, we're social creatures, so we don't wanna break away from the path. Our internal primitive instincts take over, and we're like, no, if I own this, it's gonna push me away from the path. You're put in this awkward situation. You're like, do I follow my truth? What? Or, you know, or so like the
0: fear of the cool? disconnect.
1: That's a good one. I
2: can numb myself from the truth that's coming from within me. Mm.
1: Those are our choices. Oh, that's a good one. You know?
0: So, like, we, we yeah. might not do some things for fear of disconnect with others? Yes. Oh, yes, even yeah. if it's our
2: truth, we might not oh, own our okay. truth because we're wired for connecting. Yeah,
1: man. Mm. So, that's like a biological thing yes. you're talking about. primitive. primitive. Right?
2: We were wild. dead, like, how many tens of thousands of years? We were dead if we, if we left our path.
1: Or got yeah, ostracized, yeah. right? Because if you were kicked yeah. out from the past... paper tooth tiger
2: know. would end you, or whatever that is. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! All right, guys. I think we have covered so much great stuff on this episode. Thank you both for showing up and bringing the real. Zalma David, go check out Zalma's music all over the internet. And go check out David's podcast, The Push Project. Amazing podcast. And love you guys. Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like, and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting connectionismagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, please stay connected.